He is risen. Stay on your toes. No sleeping. We'll say it again before the morning's through. He is risen. Oh, I love that sound. Uh, that's the message. That's the message we desperately need to hear. The power of the resurrected Lord. It changes everything. I love how Jesus said it in, in Revelation chapter 1. He said, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to, life, to death and the grave. Jesus holds the keys. I like that phrase. We all have keys. We carry them around. You have keys. If you were here last week, you heard how, how I thought I left my key fob in Kansas City, and I knew that Carla didn't have her key, my, my car key fob with her. It was back at our house in Grand Blank. And so I was a little frantic on the plane, thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I don't have my key fob. We all carry, I, I did have it, by the way. We all, we carry keys, house keys, maybe office key, whatever it is. But in the first century, now people didn't carry keys that much. They didn't need a key for their transportation. You don't need a key to start up a camel or a donkey or your feet to walk. And people didn't have locks on their doors of their houses. They really didn't have anything of value to steal. Most folks didn't. And so the only people that carried keys were those that did have valuables. Of those important people, they carried keys. And Jesus here is saying, I hold the key, not just to anything, but to your deepest fear, to your greatest foe. I hold the keys to death and the grave. I hold those keys. I can get you out. I can set you free. I hold the keys. When my boys were younger, before they uh, got their driver's license, before they could, had their own cars, this is back in Kansas, they would, they would come, and they're young teenagers, they would come up to Carla and I, and one of the curses of being a pastor's kid is usually, you know, you're the last one to leave the church. And so their friends would leave with their families, and they would go, and they'd be stuck there at the church while Carla and I were doing this or that or having a conversation with somebody. And frequently they would come up to us and interrupt whatever conversation we were having, and you would think it was a life-and-death situation, and they'd say, Dad, 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 can I have the keys? And I knew what they meant. They, they wanted to... The, they didn't want to, you know, take my Chevy Impala for a spin in the parking lot. They weren't going to do wheelies in the parking lot. They were just going to get in the car and sit behind the driver's wheel, maybe pretend they were driving. They'd turn on the radio. They'd switch the station. I would say that they were having uh, peace and quiet. They may have had peace, but it certainly wasn't quiet. Their music was different from my music. But they would sit there, and for, for that time, they were in their own place. They, they were at peace. No people around. They could just kind of be themselves. The resurrected Lord brings us peace. He brings us peace in the midst of the storm. He brings us peace when, when life is going crazy. We can trust him. Why? The resurrected Lord changes everything. He brings peace. So many people are looking for that in so many different places. You know it's true. You, know, you can search and, and see what people are striving after, what's important in their life by what they're doing. So many think that it's money. Money, 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 money brings happiness. We all know that's not true. You can make a long list of those who were rich and famous and who had a destructive or terrible life. Money doesn't buy you happiness. That story is illustrated in the Bible. When, remember when the rich young ruler came to see Jesus. 
he asked that age-old question, the question that everybody asks eventually in their life. What must I do to get eternal life? What do I have to do, Jesus? Just give me a list, Jesus. I want to have, be heaven as my home, so what do I have to do for that to happen? And remember Jesus' reply? Well, go sell all your possessions Give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Get rid of everything, buddy, and follow me. That's the ticket. Money doesn't buy happiness. Because the Bible says when the young man heard this, he went away not happy, sad. Because he had great wealth. So many people are striving after, Jesus, or, uh, after money and after things and after what the, the latest thing is. It doesn't buy happiness. It doesn't buy the peace that they're looking for. Only Jesus brings that. Well, if it's not money, some would say that it's power or prestige. Probably the most powerful man in the New Testament was the guy that Jesus encountered at the end of his life. A guy, you remember his story. His name is Pilate, the Roman governor of that region. He was extremely powerful, very important person to be sure. He, held the, he, he, he could set Jesus free or he could let him him die. Pilate was very important, but he certainly doesn't seem to be at peace. At our home, if mama ain't at peace, ain't nobody at peace, and mama came to him. And Matthew records, when Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message, do not have anything to do with this innocent man, underlying innocent, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream. Doesn't sound like he's going to be at peace. When John is telling the story, he said, when Pilate heard this, heard that the, that the chief priest came and told them that Jesus was claiming to be the Son of God, when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. Doesn't seem like he's at peace. Remember, he's the most powerful man in the region. He could call in a, in a battalion of Roman guards if he needed to. But listen to what happens when the crowd started clamoring for, for Barabbas instead of Jesus. Matthew says, when Pilate saw he was getting nowhere, he was, <laughs> this isn't a democracy. He was in charge. He could have squelched anything when Pilate saw he was getting nowhere. But instead, an uproar was starting. He took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I'm innocent of this man's blood, he said. It's your responsibility. No, no, Pilate, sorry. It's your responsibility. No matter what you say, it's your responsibility. You think he was at peace? The most powerful man in the region. Was he at peace? You think he slept well that night? I don't know what Mrs. Pilate's dream was, but can you imagine the conversation around the dinner table that night? You did what? After I told you he was an innocent man, you did what? After those religious leaders came in and said he was the son of God, you did what? I thought I married the Roman governor of this entire region. You could do whatever you want to do. I didn't know I married, you know, little mousy man who couldn't even stand up to some, a little teeny crowd. Are you kidding me? You did what? I don't think he slept well that night. And I think he might have slept on the couch that night. Power, it doesn't, it doesn't bring peace. I, trying to wash your hands of Jesus doesn't bring peace. I know a lot of people who've tried to Wash their hands of Jesus. Maybe they were hurt in the church. Maybe something happened. And so they've just kind of given up on Jesus and given up on his church. Listen, the church is made up of imperfect people, starting with me, including me, including you. The church is made up of imperfect people. Don't give up on the church of Jesus Christ. Don't give up on the people of God. 
I've known so many people. So often what happens is they're trying to wash you know, the, away Jesus from their life and they'll post on social media how they love doing this on Sunday morning instead of going to church. And they love doing that. And it seems like they're trying to convince themselves. But the truth of the matter is we need Jesus. We need Jesus now. We need Jesus always. And I think deep, deep, deep down they know they need Jesus. Don't give up like Jesus in this church. Well, if money doesn't bring you peace and if power prestige doesn't bring us peace oh i know it's got to be education right if you get smarter the smarter you are then you can have everything all figured out and and the smarter you are you'll 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 get it for sure paul paul when he's telling part of his story tells how how he studied under the the most learned man of of that time a guy by the name of gamaliel and if you studied under Gamaliel, you were, it was like a Harvard PhD. And he said that's how he studied, but it doesn't seem like Paul, this learned, learned, learned man was, then he was called Saul, doesn't sound like he was very much at peace. He was chasing down Christians, he was executing them. I'm sure Gamaliel said, thou shalt not kill, that's going to be important. Even his own self, after he met, after he encountered, after Paul encountered the resurrected Lord, he would call himself the chief of sinners. I don't think you call yourself that if, if, if you were at peace. I've known people, some of my dearest friends, some of the friends who even went to seminary with me, studying to be pastors, and somewhere along the line, somewhere they, they lost what they had. Somewhere along the line, in the great learning, I mean, they're the smartest guy in the room. These aren't, these aren't dummies, these aren't wishy-washy, they're the smartest guy in the room. And again, don't hear me say that education is bad, education is good. But sometimes, like Paul says, it puffs us up instead of builds us up. And we begin to think that our own ingenuity, our own mind is what will bring us peace. It won't bring us peace. Some of those folks that, that have said, well, I'm an atheist or I'm an agnostic, I wonder what will happen when they're really pushed against the wall. The first uh, President Bush, George Herbert Walker Bush, tells of being at the funeral, representing the United States at the funeral for Leonard Brezhnev, the, the, the Soviet leader. And he tells that story how, how it, it, as you might imagine, in the communist regime, everything was precise, very stoic. No cheer, tears shed, no emotion shown. With one exception. At the end of the service, the last person to view Brezhnev's body before the coffin was closed was his wife. And President Bush told how, how she went up to the coffin and she stood there for several seconds. And then before leaving, she made the sign of the cross on his chest. In the moment of her greatest need, she didn't go to Karl Marx, not Lenin, not Khrushchev. No, she went to that Nazarene carpenter who lived 2,000 years earlier, who dared to proclaim, don't let your hearts be troubled, trust in God, trust also in me. It was Jesus. Well, if money doesn't bring you peace, and if power, prestige, influence doesn't bring you peace, and if education and your own ingenuity doesn't bring you peace. Oh, I know, preacher. We're in church. It's Easter. It's got to be religion. Religion will do it. That's what you're preaching. I got to. The most religious people in the New Testament were the Pharisees. And if you know anything at all about your New Testament, you know that the Pharisees and Jesus often but it heads. In fact, Matthew devotes an entire chapter to their disagreements. Matthew 23. 
And in that chapter, Jesus is talking to the crowd and he says, don't they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands, with never lifting a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. You know anybody like that? I know a few. It isn't religion. And you read your New Testament and you start looking at the Pharisees. They never seem to be very happy. They're, they're always, you know, in an uproar. They're cranky, they're mean, they're boastful, they're prideful, they're jealous. They're always after Jesus. They're teaming up with their sworn enemies, the Herodians, all because they hate Jesus. They, don't, they sure don't seem like they're at peace. Listen, religion doesn't do it. Going through the motions doesn't cut it. We need the resurrected Lord deep, deep, deep in our hearts and souls. That's what we need. We need to experience the power of an encounter with the resurrected Lord that's available to each and every one of us. The greatest news the universe has ever had. Jesus Christ is alive. He is risen. I thought I'd catch you that time. Thank you. Thank God it's Sunday. That's what this is all about. Jesus changes everything. It's not religion. It's not money. It's not, not education and, and our own ingenuity. It's, it's not power and prestige. No, what brings us peace? It's Jesus. Only Jesus. And in this year, which has been so incredibly difficult, more than ever, we need Jesus, the resurrected Lord. This past Thursday, I officiated a funeral. And for only the third time in my 30 years of pastoring, I had more than one casket at the funeral. There were two. For a husband and wife, Jerry and Audrey Simmons. They had, 17 days earlier from their passing, had gone into the hospital with COVID, both of them. In fact, Jerry and Audrey and their daughter Beth went into the hospital. There were others that also had COVID. Everyone got better except Jerry and Audrey. And they kept getting worse. And as you know, you know, you've heard these stories of families. They can't go into the hospital in the COVID unit. Their loved ones, when you desperately want to be by their side, you can't be by their side. Under normal circumstances, back in the day, you know, if somebody, man, if they had their tonsils out, you'd be there, you know, handing them popsicles. You'd be doing everything. And now when, when, they, when they needed them the most, the best they got was some FaceTime occasionally. That doesn't cut it. Well, two Thursdays ago, the Thursday before Monday Thursday, I was having lunch actually with Dr. Anthony and I got a text from Beth. She had been keeping me updated on, on her parents' condition. And she sent me a text that said, they, they, they've called in the family. Can you come up to the hospital? And so I, I said, sure, and I left where we were eating, and I went as fast as I could up to Genesis. I met with the family, and what they were planning on doing, Jerry and Audrey were in separate rooms, and the plan was they were going to bring them both into the same room, and they were going to unhook the machines, the ventilators, and then they were going to allow their four kids, Beth and her three brothers, to go into the room, and I was going to go too. 
So that's what we did. We had to put on, you know, gloves and, and gowns and double mask. And if you didn't wear glasses, you had to put on goggles. And we walked into this room. I, I've known this family for years. And Jerry and Audrey were good people. They loved Jesus. And when we walked in the room, it was very, very obvious that they didn't have long for this old world. That it wasn't going to take long once the, those, since those machines were off for them to stop, stop breathing. And, and then first Audrey, went, maybe within the hour, both Audrey and then about 10, 15 minutes later, Jerry stopped breathing. And while we're in that room, Beth got down by her mom's ear. Beth has a great singing voice. She's sung at plenty of funerals that I have officiated at. In fact, I've teased her. She sang one song, Serenaded by Angels, and I hate that song. And she, everybody would always request it. Say, oh, Beth, when I die, if you sing that, I'm going to get out of the grave. And she got down by her mom's ear. I think it's a song by the, by the tallies. And she started singing, he is here. Hallelujah. He is here. Amen. You know, I'm a boo I can cry at a good cartoon if you really put that up to me. And I'm blubbering, you know. I'm trying to read some scripture and, and, and pray and we're gathered around them. It's a little surreal, to be quite honest. And it was, it was tough, so tough to see their parents hand in hand going into heaven. And then Thursday, Thursday, this past Thursday, we had the service. Two caskets, two, two hearses, two graves at the cemetery. And in that service for their folks, I read a passage of scripture from 1 Thessalonians. It's a passage, I think, that... And that's why I tell that whole story, just so I can get to this passage, because that was a passage, I think it was important for, for the Simmons family, but it's a passage that's so vitally important for us in the year that we've had. Paul writes to those dear Christians, My dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to believers who have died, Jerry and Audrey. We want you to know... We want you to get it deep in your heart. We want you to know what will happen. We will not grieve like people who have no hope. This is not the end of the story. That's what Paul is saying. This is not the end. For since we believe that Jesus died, thank God for Friday. We was raised to life. Thank God it's Sunday. We also believe that when Jesus returns, and Jesus will return, don't know when he's coming, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. That's what Paul is saying. We don't grieve like people that have no hope. Why? Because Jesus is alive. He is risen. Indeed, he is. In this year, we're 24-7. We've been hearing about death, 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 death. I want you to know that Jesus is alive. He conquered death. He holds the keys to death and the grave. We can trust in him. What does that mean? What does that practically mean? 
I'll tell you what it means. It means you're going to see your mom and dad again one day. That's what that means. It means Dennis is going to see his son Mark and his mom, who just recently passed away. That's not the end of the story. It means Diane's going to see her, her husband Charles, who just passed away about oh, almost two years ago. He's going to be waiting. I don't know if they have bagpipes in heaven, but he's going to be there. And if they do, you'll hear them. It's going to mean that Michelle's going to see Eric again one day. Her husband passed away about a year ago. Norm, in the back of the room, it means you're going to see Roberta one day. We're going to see this. You're going to see Helen Jack. Passed away 15 years ago. That's not the end of the story. It means I'm going to see my father-in-law, Arling. He loved Jesus with all his heart. He couldn't tell me my name the last three years of his life. But when I see him, he's going to know my name. He's going to say, Rob, I've been waiting. Leo, you're going to see Cheryl one day. And best of all, Ruth, you're going to see Coy and Steve one day. Keep seeing folks and know that they've lost loved ones. Best of all, we're going to see Jesus, the victor. Best of all, we're going to see Jesus. And he's going to remind us that I'm the one that holds the keys to death and the grave. I'm the one that can unlock the door. I'm the one that can set you free. I'm the one that can help you in those toughest times. I'm the one that will be there for you always. I will always be there, he said. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God that we can know that our sins are forgiven. Thank God that we can know that our, our guilt, our shame, our junk is done. He went to the cross for us. Thank God it's Friday. I tell people, then make sure that you know that you have Jesus in your heart. It's as easy as ABC. A, admit Admit that you need Jesus. Admit that you can't ha don't have it all figured out. Admit that you're a sinner and you need him in your life. A, admit. B, believe. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is. B, believe that he's the savior of the world. B, believe that he can wash away all our sins. B, believe that, thank God, it was Friday. It took care of all of that. B, believe. And C, commit your life to him. It's as simple. It's as simple as that. It's just, it's that, that, that rich guy's question, what do I have to do to have eternal life? Follow Jesus, follow the one that has the keys. That's, it's, it's as simple as that. How can it be as simple as that, Pastor? Listen, the thief on the cross, the one thief on the cross, you know how brief his prayer was? It's as simple as, as remember me when you get into your kingdom. What is that, seven, eight words? And Jesus said in so many words, I'll do better than that, pal. Today you're going to be with me in paradise. When you go to Jesus, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. All who call on the name of Jesus can become his followers. He unlocks the door and sets you free. Thank God it's Sunday. Then you can know, you can know, you can know eternal life. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. That's still true. We're going to say a brief prayer. I'm not going to have an altar call. I'm not going to have you raise your hands. But you know, 
if you need Jesus in your life. You don't need me to come and beat you up. You don't need me to come and beat you over the head with, well, not my big Bible, my iPad. You don't, you don't need me to do, you know. And so I'm going to just pray a brief prayer. And if you've never accepted Jesus or if you've fallen away and it's just been years since you've really talked to Jesus about anything that was really important. During this prayer, I'd encourage you to just say, Jesus, I need you. I believe you are who you said you are and I'm going to commit my life to you. Let's pray. Lord, you're the resurrected Lord. You are alive. That's what we're celebrating today. And Lord, if there's anyone in this room, up at the balcony, right down close, wherever we might be, if we've never accepted you, let today be the day of salvation. You have said, whoever calls on your name will be saved. And so, Lord, maybe we've gotten away from you. Maybe we've just been dipping our toes in faith and never have really dove in. But today is the day. Today is the day of our salvation. We need you to come in our life, and you have promised that you would. So do that, we ask. We want to encounter the resurrected Lord just like that guy so long ago in Jordan. Come into our life, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus will do that. You know, he is alive and he is risen. He is risen indeed. Oh my goodness. Did, you, did I put you to sleep in the prayer? He is risen. He is risen Thank you very much. Thank God it's Sunday. Listen to the choir as we wrap it up.